I go to a gym that has bars of every possible thickness so that I can vary them in my training. Basically, don't 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 uh, don't intoxicate yourself in believing in possibilities because that will just that will just cause you to enter a realm of epistemic closure. Dog Show. I'm your host as always, Go Oat from Twitter.com at Go underscore Oat. And this is my guest as always, at Kev underscore JG. Kev, say hello. The big dog. Hello. Hello. So um, I think it's, given the timing, going to end up being pretty clear why we're choosing to revisit this podcast now. Um, in the last, what is it, 24 hours? Uh, there was an insurrection at the Capitol building sparked by the former president, Donald Trump. And we're going to talk about that because it's a the current big deal. President. Uh, well, yeah, I, I suppose so. He has, uh, he has two weeks. A lot can happen in two weeks. Yeah. Well, you know what I, Lenin says. Uh, I would feel a lot better if I knew what Mike Pence's status was. Anyway, we're going to we're going to bracket that. Um, not clear to me. So. Lots going down. Um, we just saw what looked like a hostage video that the president released where, first of all, he finally appears to concede the election, um, but it's in like a, a three quarters view. There's a, like a weird camera cut in the video. Um, and, oh, and, and, and there's a careful Jesuitism about it. Right? Uh, the, uh, the simple intelligence of such a man is still able to avoid certain words. He never says I lost. He simply says that. Joe Biden will be the president. I don't even, does he even say that? I think he says something to the effect of a new administration is coming in. I mean, so people can, can I forget if he says up, the name Joe Biden. Yeah. He, I don't know. I don't know that he says Joe Biden's name. It doesn't, doesn't really he does, matter. He does not say, he does not say he lost, but he did not say that the election was stolen. He does not say that he won. He did not say that there's any additional recourse that he will take except for at the very end. Yeah. I mean, he says something to the effect of, uh, to all of my supporters, this is just the beginning of our long and beautiful journey together, um, which, you know, take that as you will. I, I certainly take it a certain way. Um, so that's where we are. That's it's, um, I guess, 930 p.m. on January the 7th, 2021. Um, so, yeah, that's where we are. That's what we're going to talk about. But yesterday we were in a very different place. Uh, yesterday morning. Yeah. I mean, so, so I genuinely thought yesterday, um, I knew that this date was, that there was some procedural action that had to take place with the certification of the vote. It never once entered my mind. Um, not that I, not that I didn't think that, you know, Trump and his movement were dangerous. It just, you know, once he lost, I, I didn't think there was anything left in it for them. And so I genuinely didn't think that anything would happen up until the transition at the inauguration, right? Once the once the legal challenges were exhausted, that that was going to be it. So I wasn't paying attention. And and I hasten to say that you were you were correct as a matter of the law, right? as a matter of the written law, as a matter of the liberal procedural law. Uh, but perhaps because you are a respectable family man, where I am, you know, sort of a 
uh, a recently married guy uh, on, on whom the odor of, of bachelorhood is not quite washed off, I was poking my nose around in less savory places. And if you looked into the, the QAnon universe, if you looked into the, uh, all the kind of conspiratorial theories that grow up around Trump, January 6th was proposed as uh, a day of tremendous import of the day when uh, either Pence would, uh, on his own authority, somehow invalidate the election. The, the mechanisms by which this was possible were always kind of vague. Uh, or the day on which Pence would fail to do so and Trump would declare martial law, the troops would rally around their natural emperor, uh, the QAnon plan would begin, all the pedophiles would be arrested, and a regime of peace and plenty would begin forever. Uh, January 6th was a very important day. Our, our great artistic hero, Ben Garrison of GurraGraphics.com, uh, had a comic that was simply a calendar at which an eagle, on which an eagle was pointing at the 6th of January wreathed in flame, and the flames were, were rising up in the form of letters that said MAGA around that, around that date. So not to have understood the importance of the 6th in the Trumpian theology was not to have been paying attention. Well, right, and I was not paying attention. Uh, but, but, I, but, I, but I was, <laughs> which, is, which is why... Uh, which is why, even though we were we were both nominally nominally back to work, I uh, made a point of of playing uh, Trump's speech that he gave on the last rally, the rally of the six, the day that was supposed to be the great day of reckoning. Right, and so so maybe you can start there because, like I say, I I didn't think this this was going to happen. I didn't think anything was going to happen. Um, I wasn't paying attention to the speech. So maybe you can just describe it for me, and we can we can talk about because I'm I'm sure this also happened for a number of our listeners where where because you know. I'm sure I'm not alone in refusing to pay attention to the more uh, degenerate of the far right uh, uh, talking spaces uh, that th this also was a bit of a surprise for other people. Good. So on this Trumpian Diaz era, right, I, I had the sound off until until Trump was about to come on. So I, I'm told it was a lot of the usual Trumpian classic songs playing. Uh, at the last one, just before he was taking the taking the podium, it was uh, it was Gloria. Which then switched to proud to be a, proud to be an American, and then the emperor himself, the lion, comes forth and gives a rambling, ad-libbing speech, uh, in which I mean I can't I can't remember most of it, but there was tons of detail about the specific numbers of margins of stolen votes in in this or that state. Uh, he, he made the argument that we won you know that we won all these swing states that we we have a tremendous margin, it's a landslide, historic victory, everything you would expect. Uh, and then mentioned towards the end that uh, he was expecting Pence to do uh, what the QAnon people and what various other people expected he would do and invalidate the election, refused to accept the election, uh, the electoral college ballots from states where Trump had lost. And therefore, in a much reduced version of the uh, of the total number of electoral votes, declare that Trump had won. That was the plan. OK, uh, he said. Uh, that he would be very disappointed, those, those, that was his words, if, if Pence did not do this. And the uh, idea, and I guess, is that Pe because I listened to a little bit of the procedure last night, um, I guess the idea being that because Pence is the chair and, you know, enacts the ritual by which the votes are, are counted, uh, that he would simply not uh, preside over the ritual and thereby certain of the states would not be certified. Is that, yes, that, he would is just, that roughly he would, the idea? Yeah, so he has no legal power to do this. And in fact... Even as Trump was finishing his remarks, Pence issued a statement, a full doc, like a document under his letterhead, saying that I, as the vice president, have simply an administrative role in the ballot counting, and I do not have the ability to alter or reject ballots. Pence is very right. clear about that. Right. Uh, I don't love Pence, but he did. He he behaved very well uh, uh, yesterday. Sure. 
then Trump concluded by saying that he was going to march with his followers to the Capitol. Uh, whereupon, YMCA started to play. And to the sound of uh, the village people, uh, as Trump's uh, hordes began to move towards the, uh, Capitol Hill, uh, the, the, the speech was on the White House end of the mall, as his hordes began to move in that direction, Trump got into one of his Secret Service SUVs and drove home to the White House. Great. Uh, that was his last uh, public appearance of the day. Wonderful. And so it's just a nice moment that at the end he promises to march with his people and simply and simply doesn't. Right. And, and look, I mean, I know it's I know it's stupid to dunk on these things, but people whose intelligence I am told to respect talked about Trump as a hero who fights. They talked about Trump as a model of Thumos, as someone who is bringing masculinity back to America. And then he sends a bunch of people to go storm the Capitol and doesn't even join them. Right. And by the I mean, just to skip ahead a little, you know, had he done that, I'm sure his adoring crowds would have escorted in, him into that chamber and something very different could have transpired yesterday. It basically the same basically the same would have transpired because this was not this was a this was a a, a gesture towards a coup. This wasn't a coup. Well, was, I I'm not saying that that a coup would have taken place. I'm saying that if he had done that, um the outcome might have been substantially different for him right now than it appears, you know, at the moment. But it was, but it was a, it was a shame. Something, something, something would have had to have been done. I mean, if, if done, anyway, we don't need to go down this hypothetical rabbit hole because I don't think it's particularly interesting or instructive anyway. But something would have, something probably needs to be done as it stands. Uh, but just the, the whole mechanism, would, the whole mechanism of the coup was was an interesting one, and it, to be honest, it's incredibly parallel to one of the great twentieth century uh, seizures of power uh, in Austria. Right where there was various uh, when when Dolfus uh, dissolved Parliament or rather uh, announced the self-negation of Parliament or whatever he called it, uh, it was because of a uh, it was because of an electoral dispute, uh, the details of which are not worth going into and involve the intricacies of Austrian law at the time. Uh, but since a, a, a clean electoral result could not be achieved, he was declaring that Parliament was suspended, and from then on, he would rule as a personal dictator. So there's precedent for this, and there's precedent for it that many of our Catholic friends admire and say is the right way to do government and is a regime that they propose for our admiration. Uh, so while Trump was walking through this logic, I know Trump wasn't thinking about Engelbert Dolphus, who, who certainly he never heard of. I, I doubt he knows. I doubt he knows that that uh, that where Austria is. But uh, nevertheless, uh, there was total precedent for this kind of coup. It's just that there was no planning, no coordination. The groundwork wasn't set because the man is just lazy. Well, I'm not prepared to say that a man who has uh, just gotten finished with one of the more momentous political acts in my lifetime and that we're likely to experience in our lifetimes is particularly lazy. Maybe he is, maybe he, he is. isn't. He didn't act. He didn't act at all. I He certainly did act. I mean, I think that's a key piece of the story. It, it sounds like you just told me that he, you know, for weeks spent time planning a large assembly to That's come thing. to Washington, D.C. But he planned nothing. The assembly was people who had come spontaneously, who had often organized themselves on other websites, sometimes on Twitter, but mostly on scarier parts of the internet, and who arrived without any marshalling, without any organization into the, the structure that a legitimate coup would require. He just, he just because he is lazy, he said, show up on the mall and make me president. Right? Assuming, as he normally does, that once he has announced something, his minions will attend to the details. Uh, unfortunately, give the, the details were, were not attended to. 
Sure. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm reluctant to, again, you know, I think there's this sort of tendency to under underestimate uh, what this man has achieved in view of either deliberate fantasies of fascist takeover or fascist government or comparison to fascist successes in the 20th century. Look, obviously, this was not as as coordinated as some of the more unsavory episodes in world history, but I'm just not willing to, you know, there was this, there was this idea that Trump is weak. There was this idea that Trump is senescent, that Trump is energy. He's certainly senescent. And yet, and yet he has managed to achieve again, one of the more momentous events in again, my lifetime. So, well, so, 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 so that Dalvit has coined for this the horrible uh, miscegenation of a word, uh, dream politique, by which he means a sort of politics of pure self-sustaining fantasy, and that's what that's what we had here, right? So, so Trump is believing that he can make a fascist coup happen while not actually doing any of the work that would enable a fascist coup to succeed, and so it's totally correct to say both that he's weak and uncoordinated and lazy, and also that he desires that he desires fascism. Right. Uh, it's it, it, there. It's it, the the what reconciles that is the fact that he and his followers are total have been totally out of touch with reality. I don't mean even in a moral sense. I just mean with like in terms of what is actually possible. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like General Flynn was not going to somehow get the military not to obey their normal commanders and support Donald Trump. And but if no, you look, at, yeah. but if you look in the in the QAnon universe, and if you look in Trump's. The sources that you assume were also being brought to Trump himself. That's what was being said, and like no one says no to the emperor. No one tells him his dreams are are nonsense, and so he continues to think that as soon as he gives the signal, the the war will begin. Well, and they, I mean, they they got very far with that kind of a mentality, right? I mean, they got elected. It was the same. It was the same way that the presidential campaign worked. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. And then this is this is the thing, right? Like everyone. Everyone saw that 16 happened, 2016 happened by kind of magic, right? Like every obstacle before Trump seemed to collapse. He just seemed to, uh, he seemed to have, uh, the, the Republican Party was helpless before him. Hillary was helpless before him. Anyone who tried to oppose him once he was, he was president, at least within the Republican Party, quickly folded and either disappeared or, or bent the knee. Uh, and so people concluded either that he was brilliant and was a, was a tremendous politician, which I think no one believes anymore. Uh, or that there was some inevitability of history that meant that events were so were, were so arranged, you know, there was working class politics or populism or whatever phrase people used, that, you know, there was an inevitable, inexorable force behind Trump. And I think what we're realizing is that this wasn't true. It was kind of, it was kind of a lot of flukes. He got a lot of lucky breaks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, even so, even so, you know, all, all I want to be keen to, like, insist on is that this really happened in reality, right? Yeah, I mean, the so, threat was so, the threat was real. They would if if there was a way to do it, right? If if Trump had been energetic and had worked on like winning over the mid layer of army officers to his cause and persuading right. them that they should you know shoot their superior officers and obey only him you know, because they're you know, pedophiles or whatever, right? Because they're pe- yeah, whatever standard standard coup stuff. Yeah. If he and his agents had had the foresight to do that. Uh, Things would have been played out very differently and hopefully wouldn't have succeeded, but it would have had a shot of succeeding. But yeah, they, I mean, were, they were intoxicated we the on their own mythos and they just believed that everything is going to go our way. 
Well, I mean, when you get to the event itself, it's plain that there are people entering the Capitol building who are not only armed, but in the possession of what looked like zip ties for taking hostages. You know, even oh, oh yeah, so the the idea that some people have, including some people, have started saying that this was a, you know, clearly a peaceful protest. Uh, people just walked in. Some of the Federalists saying people just walked into the Capitol because they thought it was open. Right, I mean, total lies. There's no other word for for this. This is not a misinterpretation. It's simply a lie. And I think are, I think to your point, what's interesting about it, right, is that is that you know if those people, because of how catastrophic the security failure was, if those people had a modicum of organization, direct support, and you know a few extra guys, you know, I think it's I think we're looking at a very different outcome. You know, and in my, terms and of the, the lack of organization. I, I, I mean. Uh, What's the, and yet it materialized. What's the, and yet what's it materialized, old, right? What's the old saying? It was it's worse than it's worse than a crime, it's a mistake. Uh like they had off-duty cops with firearms in the Capitol. Right? They had military men in the in the Capitol. Right? Yeah. I haven't heard of any active duty. The Trump soldiers. the Trumpists, you mean. But in the yes, it, yes, in the in in the hordes that were running through the building. I mean, there's everyone looks at the ridiculous photos of people in in outlandish costumes and you wear an outlandish costume, you get attention. But there were there were people who were in there who were absolutely uh, prepared to fight and kill and had no coordination. Right. right? Like, and so <laughs> and so and so and so. I mean, even though, yeah, I, I do agree that there's this weird tension between the fantasy world and their lack of real life. You know, no, interest. but it could have come, like think about the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Right? Like the 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 black hand keeps trying to shoot him, and they they miss. Like the bomb doesn't go off. And then because of all these assassination attempts, the chauffeur decides that he's going to change the itinerary, drives down a side street where one of the failed assassins with a bullet still in his gun has taken a break and is having a coffee or liquor. So I don't know what he was drinking. It's not important what he was drinking. <laughs> and so having failed in his plan to, to kill the Archduke, he's sitting down to rest his nerves. And the Archduke drives right next to him. He hops out and shoots him and kills him. And so that there's that element of chance where like if... You know, if Nancy Pelosi had been slower, uh, certainly she's not very quick in in getting to whatever bunker they installed her in during the invasion, and some you know some maniac who had brought a gun into the frankly even a, even a taser would probably be enough to take out an old lady like that, right? That's when you start to have that's when you start to have a real coup. Yeah, no, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't actually regard this with any amount of amusement. I think one of the difficulties of encountering, you know, events like this on a website like Twitter is that it's, you know, so infused with like irony and jokes and all this stuff, and yeah. people do that to like to like blow off steam and all that, and that's fine. But like, we can't lose the sense that we almost, we just barely averted. A genuine like yeah. national disaster yesterday. We are and... uninjured, but the bullet was definitely shot at us. Right. Right. And, and this is one of the things that's driving me nuts more than anything else. And you've seen this basically from everyone on the right is a kind of sneer. Uh, look at these liberals complaining about this unprecedented threat to our democracy. Oh, liberals are always saying that our our republic is in in a, an unprecedented scenario, or that our democracy is in danger. Look at these look at these boys crying wolf is effectively the argument. And it's like yes, yes. People complain a lot about unprecedented threats to democracy, and there was there was certainly crying wolf because people hated Trump and sometimes would see conspiracy where there was only bumbling. But they were all proved in the end but, exactly right. But in the end, there was actually for the uh, it's it's actually the the not 
It's the third time that there was an armed assault on the U.S. Capitol, but only the second time that the Capitol was stormed by force. Because uh, there was a case in the 50s where some Puerto Rican separatists were let into the visitor's gallery and started shooting people uh, to get Puerto Rico's independence. Which I didn't know about that. Yeah, minor. They were let in. They were let in. They somehow had guns on them. I don't know how they got the guns in. Uh, okay. Maybe it was in the 50s and you could do that sort of thing. But of course, the only other time the Capitol was sacked was, uh, was 1812. Right. So yes, and this is, it is totally unprecedented to have a mob storm the Capitol with the intention of disrupting the ballot counting and with the clear intention... <laughs> that the president has charged them with of preventing the correct count of the election. Like, yes, that is unprecedented. That has never happened in our history. God willing, uh, it will never happen again. But like we are, it is, this is not just business as usual. And I, 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 I feel like there's been such a, uh, because so many people have complained about Trump and some of the worst outcomes that people have predicted haven't come to pass, that there's been this sense on the right that, oh, everything's normal now. Like there was no aberration. This was just business as usual, uh, which is, I mean, even when people aren't lying explicitly, which many, many people are doing, uh, that's just a morally irresponsible stance. Well, for a long time, we've, you know, had a very strange situation in which Trump's most diehard and shameless partisans are saying that Trump believes and wants to do certain things. His critics uh, in the liberal, the center, the center liberals and on the left are both are saying the same thing that Trump wants to do, you know, a certain thing. And, but just that it's bad instead of, instead of a good thing. And then these very strange, like anti anti Trumpists who are insisting that there's nothing to see. Right. Despite what Trump is plainly saying, despite what Trump's partisans are plainly saying, despite what Trump's critics are plainly saying, they're engaged in this kind of fantasy in which actually there's nothing to see here, which is just, I think it's been a completely exposed, well, and, not and just... Two things made that possible, right? The combination of two things. Those people wouldn't mind if Trump did what he said. So they're, they're saying that we are, they're poo-pooing us. And they're saying, you're, you're stupid, basically, to worry, to take Trump at his word. You're dumb to take Trump, but they wouldn't mind if he did, right? Like people who people who spend a lot of ink praising 20th century dictators who overthrew democracy to defend Christendom and stop the threat of communism probably aren't going to mind if Trump does the same thing. So that's one of the factors, right? Because that's why they can poo-poo us because they, they don't care if it happens, right? They, well, let's let's it. let's just let's just bracket. I mean, there's but the other factor, there, right? the other well, factor quickly, is that quickly, it won't quickly. actually for the most part it won't actually happen because Trump is lazy. He's he's not organizing a putsch. He's just hoping that the putsch happens and installs him in, in the White House again. Yeah. And so I most mean, of the time, our right-wing mockers have actually been correct that they don't have the power or the wherewithal or the commitment to do the things that they propose to do. They didn't actually create a Muslim ban. They didn't actually build the wall. Nor did they actually make Mexico pay for it. Like if you look did at they the, actually take over the government? <laughs> Trump barely appointed half the half the roles he's the authority to appoint in the executive because he just couldn't be bothered. Uh, no, I mean yesterday they didn't actually they didn't yeah. actually succeed yeah. in the coup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, God forbid that someone with competence and and commitment should have been in that seat, right? I, 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 but uh, they all knew it wasn't true. But anyway, I think that, I think we're getting at one of the dynamics that you you sort of opened my eyes to uh, 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 that I found. Uh, useful in the analysis here which is kind of the the half joking half threatening dynamic that a lot of these right-wing discourses have had yeah right. play so is like, how we practice for the future play is how we practice for the future but also the sort of daring us daring us to accuse them of being serious 
right? Because if we accuse them of meaning what they say, it's, oh, you stupid libs, how could you believe that was possible? You're just, you're much ado about nothing, right? And if you don't take them seriously, you are sort of open to the risk that they actually do mean it. <clears throat> well, right. And to your earlier point, and this is what I was going to say, is that in a lot of cases, they are serious. They're simply lying when they deny. And that's what I think is, was, is, is, it, it just, it grinds my gears. I don't like it. I don't like being lied to. I don't like lying. Uh, I don't lie to my son, even in like, I don't, I don't, lying is bad. <laughs> lying is it's immoral. Uh, it's like I, yeah, I, 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 I think we we I can am, say this I podcast am, takes a unanimous stance against against lying. But it's utterly endemic in Christian circles, and so that's why I have to be very simple about it. Um, because but that's the thing. I I wonder how much of it is is lying. Like when, it, when I think it, there's a lot of deliberate lying. Like does Abby Johnson believe that the that the there were no Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol? That it was just. Uh, that it was just a you know left wing agent provocateur storming the building. Like, I think Abby that's... Johnson is lying. No, but I wonder if she. I, I like. I think that this is gets to the issue of a to, like a totally closed universe of discourse. Like she doesn't talk to or listen to anyone who believes that Trump is capable of ill, right? Or that Trump supporters are anything but patriots who are trying to save babies. And so, like, well, I could I could bore you with some optimistic account of lying where I talk about how it's adequ- the adequation between speech and reality, and so definitionally any untrue, right? I mean, no. So, th- so there's one discourse according to which any false statement is a lie, but we don't call it a lie when you think you're telling the truth. Sure. If you're if you're if you are misinformed and repeat misinformation, you're not guilty of a lie. And I that, and I think part of the problem is that the this this whole world of people has become so enclosed and and only receiving actual facts through the mediation of you know people like themselves that as long as there's a few people who can start the lie everyone else believes it and that's why i so i so you had the the attorney general of texas saying that none of these people were trump supporters so i i accept that but i what i think is that anyone who has a modicum of power whether political or influence in a in a you know organization or or whatever right writes writes a column whatever right all of these people pretty much know better and are engaged in duplicity whether that's true of every single rank and file individual i don't know um i think a lot of them decide not to ask the question right develop a kind of indifference to whether it's true or not um but i, I mean like litigating the guilt of other people is not ultimately terribly interesting right i just i think it's important to insist that there's a lot of deliberate and cynical lying and malice taking place that is generating this kind of uh not just closed worldview but plainly wicked results arising out of it but it is relevant if we want to ever rehabilitate these people right like if if someone is lying maliciously you basically have to just say like stop this wicked activity at once right but if someone has been slowly propagandized so that they don't know that they're what they're saying is false and that they don't know that everyone they trust as an authority is lying to them. Right. That's that person I think can be saved. I hope that can be saved. No, I, I completely, I'm glad you brought this up because this actually ties the, the current discussion back into, you know, what we kind of failed to get through with Fratelli Tutti, which is the idea that there, just to back up briefly, in a lot of especially conservative Christian circles, there's this predominant idea that talking to people is impossible. Part of it is a 
it's a capitulation to that dynamic that you're talking about where, you know, maybe because I believe in QAnon and Trump and all this stuff that there's just no engaging with that kind of person because they're so different from you. And then there's this other version of it that's articulated for somebody who might be understood as a secular liberal because they believe X, Y, Z, which is maybe incompatible with like, maybe they're an atheist. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The, the claim is always that there's this extremely sharp distinction between persons such that no discussion can take place between them so but like, is I, there really because i mean like especially among the catholic thought leaders they're constantly engaged in what they consider evangelism and publishing things and including in secular magazines no i don't think I, I actually don't think they are i think what they're doing and, and i think this dynamic is is you know endemic on those social media sites i think what they're doing is performing to a like-minded audience for applause and money, right? It's not outward looking. It's not engaging the outside world. There's very little of that. I don't see anyone really who's doing that. You know, everybody everybody ends up because that's how you get paid. You don't get paid by going to someone and saying, hey, I don't endorse your views fully, but here's the areas where we agree. Here's where we disagree. I think I'm right. Do you want to have a conversation, right? Nobody gets far doing that. They get far by pandering to an audience and inflaming them and making everybody feel good about how right and just and honorable we are are and, and it isn't this isn't we are this the wonderful. children of light yeah i mean it's ridiculous so so like i i raise this because i do think it's important to your point to even like however horrible i find all of this and how like personally threatened i might feel by it um because of you know like my my heritage and the, the things that they clearly say they want to do uh, with people of my background. Um, you know, regardless of all of that. So just, to, just to be fair, though, the Trump people hate you far more because you are an Ivy League graduate and a member of the professional managerial class than because of your race. They hate that, you. That's they, actually what I meant. It wasn't even it wasn't even a, a racial thing. No, there nothing to do with uh, having it, Hispanic heritage or anything like that. Absolutely. If I adopted more based political opinions, I would I could be I could make it. I could be I could be part of the new nationalism. I could I could accept my my role as part of the Herod folk. Uh, you might not be able to do that. But the main reason why they hate you is not ethnic. No. Uh, but regardless, right? Like I like we need to like one of the biggest problems that arises out of an event like this is that we need to figure out a way to reach people like this with the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Because not least, you know, will there be a, a move toward peace and toward the truth, right? It it opens up the possibility for a common human nature to be recognized and for us to, you know, sort of embrace one another, like everyone, not just people from a particular ideology or a particular sect or whatever, but to engage with one another as human beings, right? I think that's one of the, the key challenges that we have to confront. And I think among so many Catholics, so many Catholics, to, to focus just on the Catholic side of things for a moment, allowed themselves to get trapped or, or, or intoxicated themselves into believing that a precondition to effective evangelization is political control. Or at least political agreement. I mean, so, so I, I think there's two different things. Talk about yours first, but then I'll talk about mine. So, like, we need, we need Trump to be reelected uh, because of abortion. Or we need Trump to be reelected because Biden and Kamala Harris will be the most anti-Catholic presidents well, what we've ever seen. 
the future of the churches. And I was thinking going going to church uh, down down here near Charlotte, where I go to mass. The the sermons I've heard for the past several months have basically been buckle up and get ready to be persecuted. Right. So like, your version your version is that the church is at a inflection point in its relationship with the American state. The American state is preparing to destroy the Catholic Church. Don't get me wrong, I don't believe I don't I'm not no, no, I'm not, I, I, don't I, believe I, this, I think I think it's a I think it's a ridiculous fantasy also, but it's it's different from the one that I want to talk about. So so but, I, but, I, I But that that I think is one of the obstacles because if people believe that like the if people think that like the the situation for Catholics is going to change dramatically that will be in a whole new world once Biden is inaugurated, then of course what they need to do is not worry about any of the faults of Trump or of his political allies, because you know, you don't you don't worry if the lifeboat is comfortable when it's your only chance. And I think a lot of people felt that way about Trump. I mean, goodness, the the the, the Sunday after the election, the 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 homily I heard compared the the loss of Trump to the fall of Constantinople to the Turks. It's like, yes, the fall of Constantinople to the Turks was an epical event after which, for the Greeks, it was significantly more difficult to be Christian, right? And many of them were, were physically killed. That's not happening in two weeks. Yeah. Right? Like, the abortion is legal and will be legal, right? Many corporate entities and many legal entities, including many that Republicans won't even touch, are going to promote attitudes uh, about family life, about economic life that are utterly opposed to the teaching of the church that is true and will be true. There's no, I mean, probably some things will be a little bit worse. Some things may be a little bit better even, I hope, but like there's, there isn't going to be a grand inflection point that gets in the way of Christian witness. No, yeah. More one than of anything. The, one, of the fan, one, one of the, one of the, yeah, exactly. What one, one of the fantasies is, is that like, we can't admit as Christians that the coronavirus is dangerous because it's the pretext by which Kamala is preparing to suppress Christian worship. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, not what I'm talking about includes stuff that's less crazy than that. But yeah, there, when you get to when you get to the the archbishop, uh, the titular archbishop of Opiana, uh, he has a lot of opinions about that sort of thing. Once again, you pay more attention to him than I do. Um, but your your uh, look, your and, attentiveness and you, to uh, the the far right has has paid off for you a little bit. In yeah. The so last so of days. who who was the titular arch? Who is the titular archbishop of Opiana? Some kook posting things online. Well, then he turns out to be expressly promoted by the president and almost adopted as a proxy into the campaign, right? Like knowing about these things has been useful and has been, has actually, I think, enabled me to understand what, what Trump and the people around him are trying to do. So I commend you for it. I pay attention to the left as well. I'm a massive nerd. It's just, we're talking about Trump now. (laughs) Just before we started recording, you you were, you accused me of paying too much attention to uh, the, the, the infighting among the Democrats. Look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a busy father. I can't keep up with all of this. But of course, I, I of course. appreciate that you do. Um, it, you're, you're, it, you're, you're not too far into dad mindset, though. The, the next step is to say, because I'm a busy father, I just need to trust that as long as Trump gets reelected, he'll manage everything for us. Yeah. But anyway, so um, you were you were talking but, about yeah, a different but, mindset than I was talking about. Right, and so and so it gets. I think it gets your 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 mindset is basically like the church will not exist at all. Right, we can't go to church. We'll be killed. Whatever. Right. Um, because or like, something in that or something in that direction as, as a function of who controls the White House or American yeah. secular power whatever right I think there's another challenge that we're gonna have to that we have to confront seriously which is a sort of it's the idea that we have to be of the same political tribe 
and that that political tribe is a right-wing political tribe for Christianity to flourish, that it simply cannot flourish on the left. I think it's a very common view, and it's it's like the, the, the way that the logic rolls out is that because on the right, at least, for example, there's opposition to abortion or whatever, right? Comfort with evangelical Christianity in a way that there's not on the left, you know, let's bracket the experience of black Americans there um, because it's generally articulated in a bit of a racist fashion. It doesn't matter. Um, because we have to have these, this sort of preparation for the gospel in place that's only provided on the political right, Christianity is basically useless to bring to the left. Well, and this is often, so, uh, uh, that in terms of practical politics, is often framed in terms of abortion or, uh, or, or issues of, of sexuality, although frankly, on most of sexual issues, the Republicans have caved as much as the Democrats. Uh, sure, I, I, but, I don't, but I also, mean, like, let's not litigate but, the factual question. I mean, I, I just think this, this mentality is, is pervasive, right? That but there's, there's a basically no point. There's a theoretical complement to it, right? On the one hand, it's a vote for a Democrat is a vote for killing babies. Right? Whereas no one ever says you can't vote for a pro-choice Republican, right? But a vote for a Democrat is a vote for killing babies. On the other hand, there's all kinds of theoretical arguments, right? About why the, the essence of all leftist thought is atheism and materialism and a denial of the final end of man. So therefore, obviously, we must oppose Bernie Sanders because his economic ideas are, are in kind of a secret hidden way opposed to the Catholic faith. Like, I, know right. sounds, However, I know that, kind of, I know that sounds kind of stupid, but like... like I had someone write me a letter basically saying that because I liked Bernie Sanders, my commitment to the Catholic faith was in question and he didn't want to be my friend anymore. Uh, like the handwritten letter was very trad, both in content and in form. But, well, I'm, like, I'm very sorry. I mean, I don't want to laugh at that. It's, it's kind of tragic. Um, it's not pleasant, um, but it is also, I mean, anyway, part of my hope is that when this political madness passes, some of these people will uh, have a, after a brief hangover, come to their senses and sure. recognize that, like, and look, let me take advantage of this semi-public medium to offer the the uh, the palm of friendship to anyone who wants to take it. If you denounced me as an enemy of God and blocked me on Twitter and made jokes about me in your DM with Adrian Vermeule, uh, all is all is forgiven. Fratelli tutti. Uh, let's be friends again and recognize what we have in common. But let's be gracious uh, and, in victory. And, 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 we must be gracious in victory. Magnanimous. That's right, yeah, and that's why that's why I'm going to say that God forgives and I don't. <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. We're we're living the spirit of Fratelli Tutti here on the the go out and the big dog show. Um, anyway, uh, we're we're off topic. I I want to return to this idea that like it's this despair of the yeah that we could only race, which, there's only one possible ally for us. But it's not even that. It's like it's the denial of the efficient the, the efficacy of grace, right? The the it's. There's not even a point in talking about Jesus Christ, somebody who is on the left half of the United States of America, over half if you look at, I mean, the, the results of the election, whatever, right? Polls, don't care. Like, there's just no point in evangelizing these people. And, and I just think it's so monstrous an error that it, it's the other piece of this that we have to seriously engage with because of these closed bubbles. Because what happens is, to, to the earlier point, if you only believe that there's a possibility for Christ to to take root in people's hearts if it's on the political right, then you have to go into the QAnon circles. You have to you have to play nice with this mindset and effectively constrain your Christian imagination to fit this political box, which I think is just it's just it's risible. It's 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 and, and horrifying. It's, it's interesting that this is not this is not because Catholics as a whole are right wing. That's right. Right. Catholics, frankly, are 
Catholic Americans resemble American, nothing but nothing but Americans. There's so many yeah. of us. Uh, uh, we well, I say Catholicism is less black than America, and there's there's reasons for that that we won't get into on this podcast. But other than that, Catholics resemble Americans and tend to vote uh, in the same proportions as the country as a whole. But it's but on the left, you don't have like Catholics who support Biden. I know many many of them. Right, I, I voted for Biden. I know lots of Catholics who support Biden. None of them say that it is a condition of the Catholic faith to vote for Biden or to support him. Or that they're, to the extent that their political program aligns with Biden's, which I, that, that's where I start getting uncomfortable. I just wanted to be Trump. But to the extent that their political program aligns with Biden's, that it is an expression of the Catholic faith. Nobody does that on the center left and on the left. Right? Like, I say Medicare, Medicare for all is good, not because it's the teaching of the popes, not because it's uh, the doctrine of the church, although it is compatible with those. Right? But I don't say that America needs to do this because an order has come down from the first sea. Right? I say America needs to do this because it simply is what will serve the common good. But on the right, there is, and I don't know why this is, this is so, but on the right, there's a tendency to want to not to use religious arguments as supplementary, but to weaponize them. Right? And to say, you may, you may think you have arguments that allow you to disagree, but know that the church has forbidden this argument. Know that you are a heretic, not merely a person with a bad prudential choice. If you disagree. And that is a, uh, I, I don't know why it's, it's, it's true. Maybe I'm just kind of dull here, but it, you, you see right-wing Catholics constantly and sometimes in very, very stupid ways, uh, weaponizing the faith this way. Well, I think, I think the right has always been more comfortable with like the left and it's more extreme. No, but leftists are totally okay with denunciation and excommunication. It's just no, but what I was going to say is that they, in their more, in their more extreme, I guess, I don't know how I want to use extreme there, but, but the point is they are comfortable simply not making reference to faith or the church or religion at all. And in some of the more extreme versions of a left wing society or ideology have been actively hostile to religion. Um, whereas the right has always sought to control religion and bring it into the service of the political power. So I think that's all we're seeing there. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, I think that's that's fair. And say a lot of Christians have mistakenly uh, interpreted the state's desire to dominate them as a kind of sincere courtship. Right. But, uh, and, and I think in this context, we would mean less the state and more a particular partisan party, which, you know, bears a certain relationship with the state. Of course, uh, once we're in really right wing territory, there is no difference between the leader and the state. Sure. Uh, right. Um, the Fuhrer protects the law. The Fuhrer protects the law. That's one of the, the Schmidtian theses. The argument was that the argument was basically that Hitler was superior to the Constitution, and that his will was first. Any laws came later, and that was ordered. The whole system was ordered that way. Yeah, great. And well, well you can see why the Schmidtians, having read that, had certainly had no qualms about the idea of Pence <laughs> discarding the Constitution and making making Trump president again. Is this the is this the quote Blockowit? The what? That's a different thing. No, no, no. It means, what, whatever it pleases the prince saying, has yeah, the yeah. force of law. Yes. Yeah. So, so in, in, in Latin, it's called principi placuit uh, yeah. legis habit vigorum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, 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 for Schmidt, it was the Fuhrer protects the law. Great. Uh, but they're basically the same idea, right? Which is that law is derived. And, and again, this idea isn't even essentially right wing because you find Stalinists saying basically the same thing about Stalin. Uh, but it's obviously a wacko idea. So I think we don't even need to take it seriously. No. His proponents no. are, are fools and are also defeated by history. So we can 
and, and by the events of the last 48 hours. So let's go back, actually. So so the other thing I think we wanted to talk about, or at least that I think is interesting to talk about, is to relate what we saw to the discussion that we had previously on the Go Oat and the Big Dog show about the looming fascist moment that we saw at that point in time, which I believe was like, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago. I, I, I Whatever, it doesn't matter. The point being, we said on that episode, roughly speaking, there are a lot of people, there's a lot of like worrying signs. There are a lot of people who are interested in what we saw as play acting fascism in America, but that the conditions overall for fascism don't hold and that we don't think it has a real shot. Um, I guess I'd just ask you to riff on that and, you know, do, do you think anything's changed? What, what should we, what should we take from the events of the last 24, 36 hours in the light of that previous discussion. Well, yeah. So if we if we define fascism as the alliance between as the alliance between between sort of crazed right wing ideologues and authoritarians and capital, right, to ally to crush the left, that's what we didn't have here, right? So you had maybe not enough to actually affect the coup, but you certainly had, and we we should talk about this a little more in a minute. You certainly had some crazed right wing ideologues who desired authoritarianism, right? That was yep. a yeah. Uh, Ted Cruz says 39% of Americans, but, you know, I mean, I don't know what the exact proportion is, but there's some people out there, a non-zero people. A lot of people. Yeah, what you yeah didn't a lot have, of people. T- tens of millions of people. What you didn't have, and not every, I'm not saying everyone who voted for Trump is in that camp. Many people are not. But no, right, t- tens of millions is a, is a yeah. fraction, right? So, But anyway. that camp exists. But what, yeah. the reason why it didn't become fascism is because capital never allied with that camp. Right. right? Like, all the major corporations... Uh, and people denounce this as if it's surprising that corporations should want to be on the good side of the American government. Of course, they want to be on the good side of the American government. All the major corporations have acknowledged Biden's election, right? And there's been in the past few days, as Trump's people were trying to do their sort of charade of a coup, you had a bunch of you know, private entities, companies say, we denounce this coup. And we support the election of the legitimate president, like him or or, or not, Joe, Joe Biden. I even got, I've got an email from my from from the leadership of my company saying like, yes, despite this horrible coup, we acknowledge that Biden has won the election, and that's why it's not fascism, right? Fascism is what would happen if if at least some of the corporations and some of the interests of capital said. Because we fear the left, because we fear socialism, we fear that the workers will rise up and seize power. We authorize the Proud Boys to go yeah. murder union organizers or something, right? And, and that's, that's the dynamic of fascism that we simply didn't see. The, I mean, everyone on, the, everyone on the authoritarian side is talking about the danger of communism, right? Like there are many, many people and many Catholics who are sure that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have a communist agenda, which is, I mean, it's factually stupid, but they're sure of it. Uh, they believe it. But, and I think we did talk at that time about this sort of production of a fantasy left. Sure, but but the to, point is to, to oppose to the to this sort of fascist narrative, this, is, this attempt. A communist agenda, if it existed, would be a huge threat to corporations, and because it doesn't exist, the corporations don't really care who won. Like, is is Trump marginally better for business? Maybe, right? But but like Raytheon and Chevron and Bank of America and Goldman Sachs are not going to overthrow the government for you know, a marginal difference in the tax rate. Right. Stability is right. in everybody's interest. Right. So because there is no left that challenges the, the system, the order is actually, in, in, in some good ways and in many bad ways, the order is pretty stable. Uh, the authoritarians aren't going to have the alliance from business. 
Their capital is not on their side. So that's anyway. That's why fascism didn't happen. But my goodness, the factions came out of the woodwork. Yeah. Right. And and it's this is again. I know we talked about this a little earlier. The the dialectic by which we would express a concern, we'd be roundly mocked for having been so foolish as to take that concern seriously, and then it turns out to be true. And I feel like you were a bit of the voice in the wilderness because you would say, you know, Trump Trump's is a white supremacist pre- president who depends on white supremacist support. And I would I would tend to, you know, I, I admit, I sort of backed off from that a little bit. And I was like, well, we, we should agree this, that Trump is committed to a system of social order that involves, you know, certain amounts of racial privilege, but he's not really an ideologue. He's not trying to establish an ethnostate, right? And, but then when Trump is abandoned, when the corporations won't fight for him, when the Republicans won't fight for him, when the bishops uh, are clearly not fighting for him to the chagrin of some vocal public Catholics, uh, right? When Trump is abandoned, who comes to his aid but a bunch of neo-Nazis wearing freaking furs <laughs> storming storming the Capitol building, right? His, yeah. his, the, the last symbol of the, uh, I mean, God forbid he should win re-election, but the last symbols of Trump's reign are neo-Nazis running wild in, in the Capitol. And like, <laughs> that's, that's his legacy. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, I mean... I don't think the neo-Nazis ever had influence in his administration, right? He was appointing standard, basically the shadier version of standard Republicans. Even when they didn't agree with him, he was just sort of, because he's lazy, picking the people who were close to him. But the diehard support that he had was insane racists walking around with shirts that say six million wasn't enough about the Holocaust. Uh, And QAnon people who are just utterly deranged and think Trump is some kind of spiritual savior i mean yeah so at the end yeah i i'm not the libs I'm, were I'm actually, the libs were right the libs I'm were actually, right I, i'm unprepared to say that the neo-nazis never had any influence over the administration i don't think we know enough to say i'm not again i'm a busy father i'm sure but the, relatively the is, unplugged the, so. and this is what's this is what I, I i i'm saying it now with a sort of a desperate abandon because i didn't want it to be true the libs were right right yeah, it's, yeah no i mean i i so I, I never followed the Russia story again. Busy father. Sorry. No, they weren't right about but, Russia. Russia. I mean, there was some minor. There was some minor Russian influence, but Trump does not owe Russia his first election. It looks to me like there's something happened with the Ukraine stuff. Like that was legitimate. Like that was not good. But I don't know. I mean, I don't. Again, don't fall. Like, yeah, but so, I watch professional wrestling. I don't. If so I don't look, watch cable news, I'm sure Trump did criminal things, right? Yeah, God knows he, he's done enough criminal things in the past 36 just to, hours. Just to, just to be clear, it was never important to me because I knew that he was a wicked pervert anyway, so it, it didn't matter, right? I mean, like if he had some minor malfeasance with some foreign entity, who cares, right? He's he's evil. Well, no, so, but the the, the liberal so the liberal matter. thesis that a lot of Democrats a lot of Democrats promoted was not that Trump had some minor malfeasance with shady foreign entities, which I don't think anyone could deny, but that Trump owed him owed them his election. And that he was therefore beholden to them, which I don't think is true. Sure. And maybe it's important to bring this up just because this is one of the things that's often offered in service of that, like competing realities thesis, this sort of incommensurability of, of like the left view versus the right view that we can't talk to one another, that there's no common human nature, whatever, right? Like people bring this up a lot, this Russia stuff. Um, as evidence of total liberal derangement. Like, I can't even read the New York Times to see the COVID stats because those are fake, right? I mean, like, you see this stuff over and over again, which which is, broadly speaking, ridiculous. Right? Yeah, and so let's we can say the libs were not right about everything, right? They, they were wrong about a lot of the Russia paranoia, but they were right that at a command from their emperor, 
you know, neo-Nazis with weapons would storm into the Capitol building. Right? Like, again, it's, it's a sorry excuse for a putsch, and I, I'm, gl- I'm totally glad that it, I'm totally glad that it failed. But uh, I, I think it has been a, a, a moment of education for the country, right, about the sort of forces that they were playing with. I don't think so. Here's why. Oh, but it was, but it, you, it was, you saw it even in the Senate. Uh, you saw, so there was, there was one Senator who had come up to give a speech supporting, uh, Ted Cruz, right. And, and basically trying to steal the election in the middle of his speech. We don't need to go into the names of people in the middle of his speech. Uh, the, the Capitol was invaded. And so he was interrupted, taken to a safe location. He gets back up once the Senate is back in session, McConnell gives him the floor and he says some boring mealy mouth stuff about the need to ensure election integrity. And then says, I am abandoning my support for Cruz's objection. And I now support Biden's election. So I agree. Kelly Leffner, right? Who's, no, no, no. Who no did the I, same so, thing. So, so, so people th- realized they were playing with, with they were playing with fire. They had they had there was a sort of magician's apprentice sort of thing. I think so I I will agree with you about the specific politicians that were the subject of what could be considered a terrorist attack, an insurrection, a putsch, a coup attack, whatever we want to call it. Like, those people it was a terrorist attack in the interests of a putsch. Right. So, so I, those people, yes, I completely agree. Like I've never seen Mitt Romney look that way, it, whatever. Right. Like I'm sure that that will have a lasting impact on the senior congressional leadership of the Republican yeah, and you got, Party. You got to have a little bit of respect for Mitt Romney because he may have bad principles, but he has his principles and he will, sure. he, he will yield them to no one. I had a little bit of a patriotic moment when like I, I woke up this morning and read that they stayed until four in the morning to certify the election. Like I thought they were going to go to sleep and, you know, to their credit. they No, they not decided. to anyone's credit. They stayed they stayed till four in the morning because a few bitter enders, knowing they could not win the election, nevertheless decided they needed to make speeches about how Trump had actually won. Oh, so well, I, the way that I construed it is that they were going to stay until it was over. No, so, pro- procedurally, know. they have to let the objectors speak. And okay, so Hawley whatever. could get up and give a speech about how, you know, the legitimate concerns of Pennsylvanians are being ignored and the, the legal voters are being disenfranchised. I mean, I think his star has fallen somewhat, but no, he stuck to, he stuck to his guns. He repeated all the lies. That, then I rescind my patriotic yeah. sentiments. Um, but patriotic back to, back... Sen- the patriotic sentiment, I, which I do have, <laughs> is, when, is Mitt Romney basically saying like, basically just in it's some of the harshest criticism in modern times that I've heard a senator give on, on the floor. Uh, barring Bernie Sanders, who, who says what's on his mind, right? Uh, well, I, I I don't think I'll listen to it. But but like back to who who learned something, right? You 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 said people learned things. I I think the the congressional Republicans, a lot of them learned something in the Senate. Um, in the Senate, in the House, there's still a lot of madness. Yeah, oh, I, I suspect that some of them too. But we'll see. Um, wh- who I don't think learned anything were like the Catholics, and this has actually been extremely instructive for me. Watching, I think there have been three responses, broadly speaking. First is the simple like equivalence of a terrorist attack on the Capitol building to disrupt an election procedure, uh, trying to equate that with the r- racial justice protests that in a lot of places devolved into riots over the summer, sure. which we and talked about. I don't want to get into that. Let, let me just get through the three things. I, I don't want to, I don't want to revisit the, the riots thing. I, I, my views have not changed. I think there's an obvious difference between these two things, but that that's been, that's been one broad stream of reaction. I think another broad stream of reaction was just sort of a, like a confusing aloofness with wisdom and 
like indifference and despair with like clear sightedness where there's this sort of, Oh, who cares about politics? It's not actually important, you know, which is obviously not the sort of attitude with which they regard like, no, that's you know, called being, Kamala that's, Harris and the coronavirus. That's called being right? a sore loser, right? We lost, so we didn't care about it anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I forget the third thing because I got derailed a little bit. But it, I, I think there's maybe you know what the, the third way that people have. But none of them are good. None of them have been evidence of that we learn something that we're going to change no, the I, way that we I interact with American way politics. Is, the third way we've talked about, right? It's to mock the libs for imagining that this was ever a threat worth taking seriously. That's right. Right. How like how stupid could like even though we tried to do this, how stupid you are to think that we could have succeeded? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so so, I, think, so no, I, you're, I, you're, I just you're, do want to insist that you're not, you're that, not, you're like, not you're not right about this. The Catholics have noticed. The Catholic discourse people haven't noticed, right? Like Catholic pundits and editorial writers and celebrities, including some celebrity priests, have not noticed because their whole career is tied up in owning the libs and showing and finding a way to show how whatever happens, it shows that we were the, we were the children of light, right? That, that's what they need. Normal Catholics have recognized this and are horrified by it. And we've seen this too. We, we have, we've seen among our friends and like acquaintances of ours, people who are kind of on the fence about whether Trump was our savior, right? Or was the Trump was actually going to make, you know, the Catholic state real. People who are kind of on the fence have come down, right? They've like, they've realized that this is, this is too far. I would like to understand how many people there are who you are categorizing as normal Catholics in that claim. I mean, I won't, I won't deny that there are some handful of people, people who don't have podcasts, going... people who don't have people who don't have, I mean, look, maybe, maybe... We, have, we have podcasts. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying we're normal people. We're, 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 in, <laughs> we're in discourse world. That's right. right. But like a Catholic pundit sees a total humiliation and discrediting of Trump. And stays silent and tries to think about how he's going to sort of position this as a victory or talk about, you know, how it shows at least some principle that that vindicates us. The normal Catholic sees a coup attempt. Or the normal Catholic is Mitt Romney. I don't know how many of those people there are. Maybe there's, I really don't. Maybe there's fewer than there used to be. I, just, I really don't. Because, I, I mean, just look at the way that the coronavirus has been, uh, like, no, you're, engaged you're right. within the parishes, right. right? I mean, like, this whole, this whole year has been a... I think the farther you of, get from the Latin mass, the farther you get from this madness, too. That's probably true. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, that's also replaced with other, you know, issues. But, um, sure, I, I'll, I'll, I'll concede that. But, I mean, I really don't know. Plenty of people that don't go to the Latin mass in, like, Texas, right? Plenty of people believe the QAnon stuff. I mean, I saw, when, when I was down there, I saw in the Parish Bolden a advertisement for a uh, weekday, uh, like, uh, social thing, like a, like an evening thing, a program for the dangers of child trafficking in your area, which is not the sort of thing that you would see, you know, a year ago. No, that's, that's QAnon. Yeah. 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 So I think, I mean, I think it's in a lot of places. No, and look, maybe you're, maybe you're right. I mean, I don't get, I don't get out much. Uh, right. Neither do I. I mean, this is obviously like all, both of these, like, it's just an anecdote, but, no, but look, I, I don't know. For, for the, for, for the past few months, my, the main places I've gone are my in-laws house, which is pleasant and lovely. Uh, you know, the church, which is full of political apocalypticism of the kind that we we've described earlier in this podcast, and to the gym that's full of people with militia tattoos. So my my perspective on what normal Americans think and believe uh, is skewed, or else this is maybe the interpretation you'll try to you'll try to push me towards. <laughs> that is normal America. 
I, I, the, the reactions of like, there's been a ton of polls that come out like opinion polling, however flawed, whatever, don't care. We're talking about 40%, 50% of Republican voters, likely voters that self-identify on these phone calls that say that they approve of what happened or that it was Biden's fault. Or so that it was, a majority, uh, but this, and that, yeah, I, I so that, that, that's 25% right, right. No, of the country. That's, no, you're right. You're right. We are that's back tens in, of millions of people. And that, that gives the lie to my idea that these are people who are just deceived. Everybody knows Biden did not order the sacking of the Capitol, right? <laughs> like I don't know what they think. I don't know what they think. But, but no, just but they the know that when that... someone calls them and asks them, do you think Biden is responsible for this? They, it's an attempt to own the libs. Right? Fundamentally, yeah. fundamentally, the problem is that there are, there are political leaders and media leaders, right? These gigantic, powerful, influential organizations, the, these cable networks, these like all of this stuff dedicated to ruining people's minds. And they get a total pass from every Catholic. Everyone. Nobody says anything about them. Because they're supposed to be on our side. Well, I'm serious. I mean, like, there's... We get mocked for this stuff. I mean, like... No, there is definitely a sense. We're persona non grata in, like, a bunch of these places now. No, no, no. There's definitely a sense of why do you not recognize that even if we are doing... Telling lies or doing other bad things, that we're doing it for you. Why are you ungrateful that we're doing this? Or why are you so immature as to as to deny that these compromises are necessary? But I don't even care about that, right? Like, I don't care. Like, this is not for me to whine. This is just to, to point out that, like, why are we surprised as Christians when this happens, when we permit these people who are dedicated to ruining people's souls, sink their claws in, and we're just like, oh, that's fine. By the way, have you heard about BLM? Have you heard about Antifa? They're the real threat. These people that you never see in your real lives, that you never talk to, that are completely outside of your social circle, they're the problem. They're, it's not the people that you talk to. It's not the media that you consume. It's not like, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, you're, you're right to be upset. The Catholic, America, Catholics are like Americans politically. And in this respect as well, American Catholics have decided that they are okay with lies. And this is more true on the right than on the left. They're okay with lies as long as they support your side. The case for the case for the case for Biden was we don't want Trump to be president, right? Because Biden's a, a cipher. Uh, the case for Biden was we don't want we don't want Trump to be president. He barely had the campaign for that reason. It's kind of funny. The I case mean, for Trump, he, he managed to win. I know, I know, it is. But the case for tr- the case for Trump was a whole uh, extended universe of mythology, right? It's that Trump alone is standing against George Soros and his Antifa gangs of radical terrorists that are also following commands from Beijing. Right, like there, there's this whole, there's this whole fan fiction that uh, a whole universe of people, like millions of people, were not just believing this, but were actually complicit in in uh, propping up these images and creating them and, and weaving this tissue of lies. And I think a lot of Catholics felt like, well, at least they're on our side, so we'll give these guys a pass. I think the the point that I think we need to drive home here is not that like there's political problems or whatever, but that people are probably damning themselves over this kind of thing. And everybody gives it a pass, right? There's, I think there's a sense that what Christians really need to do in difficult political circumstances like this is to focus on the sacraments, focus on the cross, focus on worship, not get involved in the muck of temporal affairs. There's obviously a sense in which that's true, that 
these spiritual goods are primary and that's really i mean that's where we draw our, our strength from and that's that's the where we need to, it is always where we need to focus right I, I don't want to deny that but that's not to the exclusion of concern for the ways in which these sorts of wicked lies lead people into sin and lead people into real spiritual danger right so I think that's the point that we need to drive home here is that because there's no resistance to this kind of derangement, people don't know better, right? Nobody's telling them. Nobody's, nobody is insisting that this is not the way that Christians should live. This is not the the way that we should be. Let's go back to our, uh, our roots, uh, our socialist roots and do a little material analysis. You and I are free to make this, these comments because we don't live by our commentary. Right. Right? If you are, if you want to, if you want to devote your life to spreading Catholic truth, you probably do need to offer a little pinch of incense at the at the at the, at the altars of some of these lies, or at least refuse to disrupt the lies. Right. So, like when when a figure says, "I would like to murder protesters because Antifa," which they always pronounce that way, is the uh, is the greatest threat to our democracy and to the church, you say nothing, and then when they say. Oh, I think that you know abortion is really bad. You commend them for their brave witness, and so there's this there's this ratchet where 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 the the progenitors of these lies you might not actually endorse the lie, but you do not attempt to tarnish their credibility as a thought leader and as an influencer, and sometimes even as a, in a clerical role, right? And so that that ratchet locks the the, the whole body of Catholics into certain. Uh, patterns of discourse right and, and i i mean it's obviously the case right so like you, like you 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 and i have lots of friends who are involved in catholic discourse in some ways as, as priests or as writers or as, as bloggers or whatever right we have that we have that group of friends and we're lucky to have them they're good people they like us none of them believe uh this is by definition so i define this as a circle of our friends none of them believe that we are heretics none of them believe we're enemies of the christian people right that's just true but when they are on a panel or when they are trying to get someone to give a blurb for their book or when they're trying to sort of make it as a, as a Catholic idea haver, they know that they cannot criticize those people who are saying that you and I oh, are heretic enemies of God. And so I am whining a little bit because... Yeah, you're, you're whining. I'm whining, but I'm right to be whining because the, the, the complicity that people have, the, 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 the failure to fight for truth ends up being sufficient for the triumph of the lie. Right. right. As, I, as, I, as, I, I at least, as I at in a least different context, a Rod Dreher uh, uh, would observe. <laughs> right. He, he, no. thinks that why we, he thinks that's why we've surrendered to communism. But in, in truth, uh, uh, whatever the Catholic, whatever ideas the Catholic world, world has surrendered to are not communist, uh, but they may not be less dangerous. No. Right. And, and I, I would just want to insist again that my interest is not you know, my own. I, I genuinely don't care. It's that. Oh, it's I'm that, happy to say my interest is my own. Uh, because yeah, like yeah, yeah. like for for someone to say they they no longer wish for my friendship because you know they read some political writer who said that I was anathema not me personally but just they they, they put out a predicate under which I fall uh, like I don't want that to happen it, well no it's unpl- yeah I'm just a little bit more I guess like uh, sociopathic than you are yeah, look and I, I don't I don't want it, I don't want it leading to political disaster I don't want it leading to political disaster either right and I'll whine about that as well right so like no no for me it's for me it's really just the, the spiritual disaster right like politics are politics though so it's not really ever going to be good that's fine it's that it's that people are I mean it's just it's not it's not okay it's not okay well I, I, I people 
well, politics may never be perfectly good. I do think we can hope for better. And, we can uh, and oppose can. and oppose worse. Yes, uh, I, I completely agree, and and that's that's one of the reasons that I brought up that that response of despair, right? Or a a response born of despair, right? The idea that what what's the point in objecting to you know Trump fascist goons trying to do terrorism to disrupt the American constitutional order? Everything's bad anyway, right? You know, no, these are people who are. <laughs> like, it is it is our duty, and and this I think this I think is something that yeah, it is our duty even if we are doomed to. Uh, to behave rightly. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just, no, I mean, there's, that shouldn't there's, be, there's, there's no question about it. I, I struggle to find words for it because that shouldn't actually be a controversial thing to say among Christians. Uh, it, it shouldn't. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's just not anyway. But we, uh, anyway, we, we won. We won. It's over. I know. Uh, no. So I guess I, one of the things that I want to think about a little bit before we, you know, go celebrate and, victory. That, yeah, that's so, what we're going to so, do. Celebrate gonna, the triumph of communism. Celebrate the triumph of communism. So like, so like what here's – my, here's my challenge. Here's what I want to talk about. My challenge is that I see nothing in our short-term, medium-term, even long-term political future in the United States of America that can avert disaster. I only see these tensions as intensifying – the prospects for violence is as intensifying and increasing. I see the triumph of fascism in America, frankly, to be more or less inevitable. I see. I At disagree. The same time, I, I disagree for the same reasons. I think that fascism isn't here now. I don't think the left is ever going to be enough of a threat that a fascist response will be will be uh, will be required. Right? You know, maybe we so, can talk about that. I mean, I, the, I, you I, know, the I division in 1984 of how the future is a boot stamping on a face for all eternity, right? The, the, the vision of the future is not a boot stamping on a face forever. The vision of the future is a, is an HR application reminding someone that they haven't met their productivity goals for this performance cycle forever. Um, yeah, I, I agree that uh, the prospects for genuine organization uh, on the left, what we what by, by the left here we mean labor right yeah dismal dismal none um, the social uh, solidarity the social solidarity doesn't solidarity doesn't exist that is a necessary prerequisite for that i mean i guess i guess one i i thought did you read the end notes article long essay that they wrote onward barbarians no you should read it it's interesting one of the thing, one of the more evocative um it's i think it's a very useful lens on a number of political events in the last year including the coronavirus and all of that one one of the more i thought you were um, a uh, i thought you were a father who were too busy for theory <laughs> uh what did i say uh boys read mcintyre dads read endnotes um well, i think that's, that's i think that's one. the pipe that's the pipeline is you start reading mcintyre you end up on the you don't like me calling it the post left but that's okay whatever doesn't matter the point is um that essay does a very good job of sort of illustrating a world in revolt um not a coordinated revolt um really just what they call non-movements, which I think is an interesting way of thinking about it, that they're just these sorts of undirected eruptions of discontent. But when they, when they frame the, the essay, they do a very good job of illustrating that this is global and it's intensifying. So that's challenged my perception a little bit of the immediate prospects for, um, you know, in both directions, right? Because it's unorganized, there's not actually, you know, a, a intention to, you know, I guess, you know, create unrest for the purpose of labor organization, right, as a negotiation or a political tactic. It's kind of anti-political in that sense. It's just, it's just people are in the streets doing whatever. 
um, which we did talk about, I think, um, early in the year. Yeah, well, we, we talked about um, we talked about how Black Lives Matter does not actually uh, accusations of communist ag- agenda aside, those protests don't actually rise to the level of an economic critique. Not just that, but it, it's also like a negative thing. Like, please stop killing us. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, and, and then we kind of struggle to get to like, what does not killing us look like? Um, and not to say that there weren't good ideas and that there aren't good ideas, but that there is a, there is a sort of no, a it's, chasm it's a, to cross it's a it's a genuine expression of rage, but it does not. It, it, yeah, it's a a cry of pain that does not include information on how to heal. Sure, um, but but it's just it's just done a lot for for making me revisit a little bit my perception of where we're at in terms of the stability of the global order and, and, and you know, what the prospects. Yeah, I know. But anyway, <laughs> you're so dismal. Well, I'm, um, why am I dismal? I, I'm, I, so, so, but, 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 so I want to have this thought at the same time, this thought of, you know, this sort of looking at the world and not really seeing any way that it gets better and that it's only going to get worse and all this. Right. I want to hold that. At the same time that I want to hold the thought that I think we were also saying this on or I was on earlier shows about the idea that all of creation is always hanging suspended on the edge of redemption, right? That at any moment, Christ can work in my heart, in your heart, in the, the hearts of everyone in the world to bring us to truth, to charity, to to the good life, right? And that by that work of grace, we can be redeemed. Um, I don't want to, there's no need to overstate that, right? Because, you know. It's not as like I, what I want to avoid is an accusation that I'm thereby imminentizing the eschaton or whatever, right? Like this this canard that people like to throw out to dismiss, like the idea that things can get better. But I do want to have this idea that things can radically but improve. It, it's, it's, but it's simply true. But it's simply true. Right? I know. Like the I know it's true. I I do not, humanly speaking, right, uh, and materially speaking, right. I do not see. Factors that are going to cause solidarity and social friendship to blossom among people. Right. I mean, even the argument that things are going to get worse and that by getting worse, that's going to induce the people who, you know. No, I don't buy that at all. Yeah. Things getting worse means that things will get worse. And and believing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel is probably a mistake. Could be true, but don't betting on that is a mistake. This is why I'm I'm totally anti-accelerationist. Yeah. But, uh, like Christian community is possible, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later, I know, but we can do things that are in our power now to have charity and fraternity among ourselves, right? We, we can, and we do, right? Like when, I mean, think, just just thinking about the networks of it, it's not just Christians, this doesn't, doesn't have to be a specifically religious thing, but like there are networks of people who will respond when they become aware that someone is in need. Yeah. Right, whether it's a friend or family member, then, you know, even the pagans do that, but even when it's strangers, when it's people you hear of online, when it's people who well, and, and and the pagans do that too. Right? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying this is unique. To, this is unique to Christians, but uh, the fact that when we take it seriously, our faith obliges us to do this, right, makes that uh, hopefully can, can means that our our Christianity can be a motor of that kind of of solidarity. Right. The, 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 if you think of d- different ways in which faith impacts public life, right? There's the one we talked about before, which is faith means you vote for right-wing politicians who implement an established religion, and then they give you the faith sort of back through statutes. Or, 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 or if we're going to be really fascist about it, through, through the will of the baptized Fuhrer. Right? Yeah. But, uh, 
uh, it, there's different types of Constantinianism. But there's another, there's another model, right, which is that the way in which our faith in, impacts politics doesn't exclude the law, but works outside of it just by us building sort of invisible networks among each other. Yeah, I mean, that's the, so that's just the generic way that societies I know that, that's, that's, that's but like, right? when I think about our network, our network of friends, and I, I, look, we say, I'll say this in the broadest way possible, like, I don't think we've ever become, become aware of someone needing something that it was in our means to provide. And like, I'm not tooting my own here. I'm not, I haven't been foremost, but haven't done our best to make it happen. Yeah. Right? And, and I've benefited from that personally. And I've, you know, been on the other side of that. Yeah. And, and like, and that is like, I think that, that can serve as the kernel of something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people want to dismiss that kind of thing as like, oh, you're not really thinking politically. I mean, in no, my but, mind. But, but we need to, and I, this is, this is not for this, this episode, I think, because we, I, at least I want to think about it more before we make some uh, quasi-political statements, but it can become political. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, just simply coordinating between households to provide, I mean, that's pure Aristotle, right? Uh, yes. Yes. See? Well, I don't, I, I, I don't want to get the entirely... Tell me how clever I am. <laughs> no, this is just the, the, the incredibly arcane debate about whether the uh, whether our participation in the polity is mediated by households or whether the Oh, house... no, I don't mean to say that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I don't mean to say that. I, mean, I know you're not. You're, you may be a, a busy father, but you're not you're not a dad in the philosophical yeah. sense. Right. Um, yeah. So I guess the, the takeaway uh... is be good to each other. Be good to each other. And Let's don't not... do a, uh, don't be a neo-Nazi and try to seize be... power by storming the Capitol. And don't, don't indulge lies. Don't give a No, but that's, that's the real people. political takeaway, right? Ask, ask yourselves why, like, why did this happen? This disaster this happen? and disappointment for so many Catholics, and not just for Catholics, but for this, this disappointment for so many Catholics in the defeat of Trump that they thought was going to be a kind of Cyrus or Constantine for them. That only appears to have been an opportunity at all because they were lied to or because they repeated lies. Yeah. So, yeah, don't tell lies. Don't believe them. Don't repeat them. Do better. That's so, that's so nagging. I don't mean to nag, but I mean, it's like, what, what are you going to say? Yeah.